Ephesians 5, 1 to 20. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as, Je- just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person such a man is any idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. That is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not do foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, LJ. Just before I start, um, I want to mention something to you all. Um, I'm doing this to you all, so it's important you all get the same message. Um, Yesterday, I made a big decision that's going to affect me in York. I, uh, I asked Emma to marry me. So please do, if you don't know my fiancé, please do get to know her. I'm never going to get tired of calling him a fiancé. So I have got the heart of a lion and a lifetime ban from Edinburgh Zoo. When I was seven, I nearly lost my right hand in something called a mangle, which is up there. It's an old bit of farm equipment people used to crush potatoes in. A few of us were playing in my garden when one of the kids got my hand and shoved it into the rusty iron cogs in the machine. He held it there while another turned the handles. And that day, I fractured all the bones in my right hand. I screamed like any seven-year-old would, and my parents came running. My mum calmed me down while my dad got my fingers out of the machine, blood and muscle everywhere. I was very lucky not to lose my hand. When I needed them, my parents came to the rescue. My parents were my heroes, They're my best mates, and they love me, despite what an idiot I can be, because I'll be honest with you, not all the accidents I have are other people's fault. I am a little bit accident-prone. I once accidentally superglued my face to a table, 
I've ended up locked in a portable toilet for three hours on a date. And I also wrote off my mate's tractor, don't ask. Um, sometimes stuff seems like a good idea, and I kind of say, hold my beer, and then it goes badly. But despite that, my parents still love me. I'm sure sometimes they shake their head and they wonder what I'm doing. And I wonder that myself sometimes, but no matter how badly I seem to embarrass myself or them, my parents love me, despite the stupid stuff I do. And the phrase like father like son is one that we use a lot. And it's a great phrase to hear if your kid does something positive, but not so great if they don't. If your kid eats a tube of superglue, it's probably the last thing you want to hear. I've got a superglue fixation. One of the things most of us get told as a kid is we can be anything we want to be. I wanted to be a Teletubby, didn't really work out. Well, a tubby bit maybe, but for most of us, when we're kids, the thing we want to be most like is our parents. We look up to them, we admire them, and we do stuff to be like them. And we're told in the Bible that God is our father. We are made in his image. He puts his spirit inside us, and we can try and be like him. But sometimes we might not see God as our father. We all have different perceptions of God. At times, he can seem really close. At times, he seems far away, and at other times, he can seem completely disinterested. It can sometimes be difficult to understand this concept that God is our Father. And it's, and it's difficult because we all have hurts, hopes, experiences, and expectations. And very often, the things that we go through, they form the lens through which we see the world. And that can shape and color what we experience and how we respond to this idea of that God is our Father. I think we all have times when life can get rough. Pressure from exams overwhelming choices, marriage, kids, job pressure. Sometimes life happens and our view of God can change. And it's not that we want it to. It's just that sometimes our circumstances can overwhelm our view of God, whether we'd admit it or not. But in 2 Corinthians, God says, I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters. Because although the things that you deal with in life can distort our view of God, if we let them, we are still blessed with a wonderful, perfect Heavenly Father who is crazily in love with each of us. Although we change, He stays the same in His love for us. And in the same way that you're the son or daughter of the people that raised you, you're the child of God. And part of that is that God gives us His Holy Spirit to live inside us. Now, the phrase Holy Spirit comes from the Greek parakletos. Uh, that means to come alongside. I'm not going to try and pronounce that again. Um, but the Spirit does a lot of different things. The Bible calls him a helper, a counselor. He tells us when we're wrong. He can give us gifts. It's one of the main ways that God fulfills this role as Father. And one of the main things that the Holy Spirit does is it guides us. And our key thought today is this. God's Spirit can guide us to be like God if we want it to. That's how much God loves us. So in a way, when life does get hard, when things get in the way of our view of God, God's Spirit is there and it can keep us living in a way that keeps us close to God and so that we can be like him. But how do we respond to that? And I think there's two things you see with Christians. Sometimes Christians try to be like God by being a good person or behaving in a certain way. 
a lot of people have this idea that Christianity is about rules. You know, you have to come to a building on a Sunday, sing a bunch of songs, give us all your money, lock yourself in a cupboard for hours to pray. But because God is our Father, and His Spirit guides us to be like Him, it's not about rules. It's a relationship. God cares about who you are, and not the things that you do. Let's say for some messed up reason you wanted to look like me. Goodness knows why I go with it, right? You might want to start by getting a rubbish haircut. Look miserable. Get a hairy back. Um, obviously, you want to get your diet right. Go to the kebab shops and KFC. And just like me, you can have a body like a drop lasagna. But it's only a superficial change. You can try and look like someone else. But on the inside, you're still the same person. And it's the same with God. So many Christians think they, they look like God by following rules or getting the right look or saying the right things. But on the inside, they're the same person with the same hurts, issues, and problems that distort our view of God. And that's because what they, who they are hasn't changed, just what they do. But what if I wanted to be like my dad? Well, we share the same DNA. We're made out of the same stuff. We're wired the same way. It isn't just a, a surface thing like I've got his nose, the poor guy, but it's in the very fabric of who we are. God is our Father, and we share more with him than we realize. You were created in the image of God to literally reflect God's glory, and God placed his spirit deep inside each of you. And although many of us might not be able to get our heads around this idea that God is our Father, or God might seem far away, or we think that we have to perform, Romans 8.26 says the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit helps us, shapes us, and leads us, if we let it, to live to be more like God in who we are. When we respond by following rules and trying to change our behavior, we're changing our minds. But if we are led by the Spirit, that change comes from our hearts, and it comes from who we are. And that's a lesson we're going to see Paul share to the church at Ephesus. So, in a way, the good news is we aren't the only people who might struggle with how to respond to this idea that God is our Father. Turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians 5. If you get bored, 2 Kings is really good. But Ephesians 5, just to give you a bit of context, it's the first letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. It's written into the church in Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. It's a very cosmopolitan city. It's at the heart of the Roman Empire. So there's all kinds of different religions, cultures. There's religious um, persecution. It's a very confusing place for the early church to be. And Paul gives a very clear message through the book of Ephesians. You're one church, sharing one love, serving one God. And that's what we've seen over the past few weeks. And here the theme of oneness continues. Paul's going to show the church that they are one people, led by one spirit. So at the time, people had this idea that following Jesus was a bunch of rules. You can't do the fun stuff, you've got to do all this junk. But they're responding out of this idea of changing their behavior rather than being guided by God. But Paul says to the Ephesians, there are just really three things they need to do. And those three things come out of the core of who they are. Ephesians 5.1.2 says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us. Paul wants to encourage the church in Ephesus to try and live a life that reflects God to the world around, that he wants them to be like their dad. 
And that's the same calling that we have. So firstly, he says to the church, follow God's example. Well, our perfect example is Jesus Christ. And when we look at Jesus in the Bible, uh, Jesus said in John 14, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So when you see Jesus, it's important we realize we're also seeing a reflection of God. And when you look at the life of Jesus, he healed the sick, cared for the poor, taught and led people. Jesus said the two most important things are to love God and love your neighbor. He just loved people. That's it. Because love isn't just an emotion or a feeling that you feel. It's the actions that you take. It's the sacrifices that you're going to make. And Jesus lived a life of servant, sacrificial love. Because who he was came first. And what he did came out of that. And when Paul says to do it as dearly loved children, ultimately our goal is to be like him. Because just like him, we are God's children and God's spirit lives in each of us. And just as a parent will guide their child, God's spirit will guide us if we let it in how we live our lives, why we live them and how we live them. And the reason we do it is simply love. And finally, Paul says to walk in the way of love because once you realize that you are loved as God's child more than you can possibly realize and you follow God's example through Jesus Christ, which is servant sacrificial love, how else can we respond to that but to model that same sacrificial love just to our God and to everyone around us. God's spirit in us compels us to do that. Once we see how loved we are in God, what we do comes out of that. Who you are comes before what you do. But then in verse 7, Paul gives a list of the kind of behaviors that your Christians should be avoiding. Sexual immorality, impurity, greed, obscenity, and on it goes. And Paul gives the Ephesians this list not to try to force them to behave in a certain way, but to show them that that stuff doesn't come out of walking in the way of love. They can avoid it in their own strength, and it'll be difficult. But if they're guided by the Spirit, because God's Spirit guides us to be more like God, and because God is perfectly loving, avoiding that stuff will be much easier, because that stuff doesn't show the love that Jesus had. Sexual immorality might satisfy for a moment. Greed might give temporary material advantage, but they aren't loving to other people. And in verse 3, Paul says that those things are improper for God's holy people because they're not based in love. Sometimes trying to look like Jesus is a bit of an academic exercise. We try and look like God by avoiding certain things, we say the right words, we behave in a very peculiar middle-class way, but... Paul is showing us that God's Spirit can transform us if we let it from trying to be good people to actually looking like Jesus Christ. We can't be like Jesus just because of what we do. We need God's Spirit to guide us in how to be more like him. It's a change here in your heart, not in your head. It's not what you do, it's who you are. And that one spirit in us means that we are set apart. We are meant for more. This life this world, this is not our standard. Because each of you is God's child and has God's spirit in you, then Christ is our standard. And God's spirit can lead us into a life where we look more like him and less like the world around us if we want to. I'll give you an example. When I first became a Christian, and some of you might remember that, um, I was a bit of a nightmare. 
a really close mate had died in a car crash on the A64, and I was in the middle of, I guess, what you call a nervous breakdown. I was trapped in a really stressful job. I was self-harming a lot. I'd cut myself with anything I could find. I was up to my eyeballs, and antidepressants. I was literally vomiting blood because of stress. And I thought the way that you were a good Christian was you went to church on a Sunday, you smiled, you said the right things, but I've got all this junk going on in the background. Like the Ephesians, I didn't know how to respond to this idea of living a life that reflected God. I wanted to do it myself, but when you hit the wall, you realize that you can't. So I got my Bible, and this verse jumped out at me. So he got up and went to his father. It's from the story of the prodigal son. And when I read that, it was like getting hit in the face with a brick. I knew that was what I needed to do. So I tried to pray and spend more time with God and be a lot more intentional in what I was doing, trying to develop a relationship. And it was almost like through the, the coming days and months, the, the things just started to make sense. It wasn't like there was this booming voice of God, but it was this nudging to do things I'd never done before, to, to pray, to spend more time with God, to read the Word. And slowly... As I went, step by step, the stuff that had its grip on me, the self-harming, the depression, the, the OCD, it, it almost lost its grip on me. And I can only put that down to God giving me a different way to live my life. And I wonder if there are people here that might be in the same boat. Maybe some of us think this Christian life is about what we do, pretending we're okay. And this idea of being guided by God seems alien. Or maybe God seems distant, or sometimes stuff and life gets in the way of our view of God, and we fall back into fall into easy habits and hiding behind what we do. And I don't know what that would look like for you. Maybe your course or your job is choking the life out of you, and you feel trapped. Maybe it seems like people only value you for certain things. They never see the full you. Maybe you've been coming to church for a while, and you just don't feel it anymore. Maybe you think you don't fit in or you struggle to be around people and you don't know how to live your life. And just like the church in Ephesus, life can be confusing. Life can be hard. But what God wants to do is to guide you by his spirit to be more like him. Where we live these lives that are defined by love for God and a love for each other. That you don't have to be smiling on the outside and screaming on the inside. There is a way through. And I'm no, I don't pretend to know where any of you are at with that. But God is showing us that when life gets hard, when he seems distant, when we don't know how to respond to him and to circumstances, he provides us with guidance and a way to live our lives based in love. Paul says in verse 9, For you were once darkness, but you are now light in the Lord. Live as children of light. And that's what God's Spirit in you can do leads you from a place where you feel distant from God and things don't make sense into a, a deeper relationship with him as our father. And as we do that, God's spirit will guide us in how we live our lives in a way that we are more like God. So when Paul points out the stuff the Ephesians to stay away from, he isn't saying, don't do this, but he's asking, why would you want to live this way when something's so much better, knowing who you are in God, being guided by his spirit, is available to you. And God's Spirit, if we're open to it, can guide us to that place. 
Paul says in verse 17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. It's in a, and God's will, it isn't an alien concept. It isn't hidden. It isn't unknowable. It's in his word. It's in his answers to prayer. It's given by his spirit. And God's will for the church Ephesus and God's will for us is simply this. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us. Through his spirit, God can guide us in how we live our lives, why we live them, and who we live them for. So what's that mean for us? I think it means that the calling for us to live lives that imitate God is still there. His spirit is just as real now as it was back then. The same spirit is in us. The same calling is in us. So how are we going to respond? I think it boils down to two things. Firstly, can we be guided? Verse 18 says we should be filled with the Spirit. God's Spirit lives in each of us. All of us are guided by one Spirit towards one purpose, living one life and sharing one love as one church. How you walk that out is going to be different for each of you. We're told to love, but how you will love and why you will love will differ depending on so many factors. But are we listening for God's Spirit guiding us. God can talk to us in so many different ways, through common sense, through his word, through other Christians, through signs. Sometimes it's a small, quiet voice, but are we living our lives in a way that makes space for God to speak to us? When you look at the life of Jesus, he said, I do nothing except what I see the Father do. He was intentional in spending time with God listening for God's guidance, letting the Spirit lead him. Are we doing the same? Are we living lives where our relationship with God as our Father is a priority, or is it a second thought? Are we making space and time for God to guide us, or are we just getting angry that he doesn't? So if you're, if you're friends with me on Facebook, you'll saw that on Tuesday I went to the doctors for a blood test. If I'd gone in there and I'd said, right, this is wrong, this is wrong, bye, I hadn't made space for the doctor to respond, I would never get better. We need to make space for God's Spirit to speak to us. So are we doing that? Are we letting God speak to us? Are we just going to God with a list of gripes and complaints and wants? God will guide us if we ask. So are we asking? The same thing is, if we're guided by the Spirit, does it show in our lives? In verse 9, Paul says, that when we live as children of light, the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So when we let God's Spirit guide us, we see our hearts change. As our hearts change, our actions will change. Uh, the things that we want most in life, that have their grip on us, will start to lose that grip. God's priorities will start to become ours. The things that break God's heart will break ours. Excuse me, I'm full of hiccups. And one way we measure that is with what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 tells us, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is what our lives can look like when we're guided by the Holy Spirit. So we need to ask ourselves, are we showing love to everyone we meet, or just a few? Do we know peace? Or are our lives a chaotic mess? Are we genuinely kind? 
Are we only kind when other Christians are looking? Are we truly reflecting God to the world around us? And if you're not, what are you going to do about it? We can imagine what that could look like for us if we were guided by the Spirit, just like Jesus was. This city would look a lot different, and our lives can look a lot different. When we're led by the Spirit, we can know God as our Father in our hearts in a more intimate way, and as we do that, we see our hearts change. The things that hurt us, that take us away from God, will lose their grip on us. And we start to live these lives that are light in the darkness of the world around us. I don't need to tell you that this world is a mess. You go out this building, you're going to find people sleeping on the steps outside. One in six kids will go hungry in this city tonight. It seems that whenever we turn on the news, this world gets darker and darker. Sometimes it is like the hope is gone. But you are the hope. You are the light in this dark world if you want to be. If we can be guided by God, we can be like Jesus and we can live lives that are a light in the darkness. So do we have God's guidance? And if we're not experiencing that today, why not? Is it because you've never truly trusted and received Jesus into your life? Or is it because we've closed ourselves off to him? The Bible tells us that when we turn from our sins and we put our trust in Jesus, believing that he is Lord and he died for our sins and rose from the dead, that we will be saved and the Holy Spirit will come and live in us. And as we respond to his leading in power, he will fill us and strengthen us to live lives that are more like God. That's a life defined by love, following Jesus' example and living in the light. And sometimes... When we don't see God as our Father, it's easy to shut ourselves off from that. So let me ask you, if you've never turned to Jesus, never truly turned to Jesus, or maybe you feel distant from God, turn back to him today and receive that gift. And maybe if you're already following Jesus, but you're not following life, um, being led by his spirit, make room for him to talk to you. Live a life defined by love. Be guided by his spirit. Be the light in this dark world. And together, let's take a step towards living a life of love and see this world changed as God's spirit guides us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are. Father God, I pray for those of us who've never known your guidance. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just make itself known to us. Come afresh on this place, Father. Speak to us today, where we feel tired and, and hungry for you, Father, or we feel you're distant. Just pray your spirit again would come and bless us, guide us. God, I pray that you would guide us as a church and as individuals to be a blessing and to live lives that reflect your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.